This is Anthem Blanchard, CEO of Numetra, and you're listening to RunToGold.com. Welcome back to the RunToGold.com podcast. This is episode 60, and because we're in uh, December, it's a month of peace. So I thought I would talk a little bit about the economics of war. The market economy involves peaceful cooperation. The ability of man to think is what differentiates us between the rabid wolf or uh, gorillas, for example, who fight over territory. As man has been developing, we've also developed in our area of warfare. For example, the wars that used to be thought resulted in either the extermination or conquest or enslavement of the opposing population. However, we've since moved on to a little bit more civilized form of war, limited war, uh, which has happened mainly coming out of Europe. What has happened with this limited war is that the elites, uh, they hire mercenaries or soldiers and then try to go and get additional uh, territory from their neighbors. Now, as a natural outgrowth of this, the uh, underlying civilian population usually is not to be hurt by the mercenaries. And we've seen this develop in our international law. There's a difference between uh, combatants and civilians, for example. And if you're uh, wearing the costume of the government and you identify yourself as a soldier, then you uh, may be entitled to certain things uh, under treaties, certain rights, and, and ways to handle prisoners of war. And the soldiers are not supposed to uh, engage civilians in uh, certain manners. Well, this idea that the market economy uh, and war can exist together uh, is fallacious. The reason for this is that the market economy uh, isn't supposed to have borders and exchange controls and not have the free movement of labor and importing and exporting of commodities and restrictions on things like that. And so it's really the rise of the welfare state that has given rise also to war. Now with war, uh, it becomes very profitable for a few select group. The people who are able to uh, adapt to the rapid change that's needed during wartime, for example, building jeeps or tanks, uh, they can profit tremendously. But ultimately, war is uh, rather futile in the sense that war results only in the destruction of life and property. The civilians are no better off because of it. In order for the politicians and the warmongers to wage and pursue this spirit of conquest that is only restrained by an opposing force, they have to derive the material necessities of it from their citizenry. This is done mainly through taxation, and in the 20th century, mainly through inflation, which is a form of uh, confiscation and taxation, although slightly more subtle. The 
old ruling class in Europe were prevented, usually, in their ability to tax and wage war. This is where the British, uh, for example, separated the power over the purse and the power over the sword. And in our own uh, United States Constitution, we see the same checks and balance with the commander-in-chief having the power over the sword and Congress having power over the purse. However, we've also seen the rise of the military-industrial complex. And as a result, when coupled with the tremendous amount of capitalism that we did have remaining in the United States economy, they've been able to develop the most dangerous of weapons, from atomic bombs to uh, biological weapons to all types of things. But ultimately, this conflict between the market economy and the welfare state will end itself because they can't uh, peacefully coincide, you could say. The people who had been pushing, the business interests that had been pushing for world government, who had been pushing for free trade and things like that, uh, they didn't really give much thought to this from an economic perspective. And so what's going to result is that the last war, the war to end all wars, will be primarily against those that wage the war for fun the politicians. Now, sure, it's difficult to dethrone the elites peacefully because they do control uh, lots of mercenaries. But when that does happen and the citizenry of the world is able to dethrone their uh, ruling elites, which will primarily be done through a battle of ideas, then that will be the war to end all wars in the sense that uh, people will realize the futility of it and instead of engaging in the violence that war has led to they will instead turn to the peaceful means and cooperation that comes from the market economy and we already see this to a large degree happening although we have wars and rumors of wars it's largely uh, contained to, you know, small backwoods areas like Afghanistan or Iraq or uh, places in Africa. For the most part, the world in general is becoming an increasingly more peaceful place. Although civil unrest is uh, rising by the citizenry against their war-mongering leaders. And so, with the futility of war, modern civilization is moving forward. And what it will take to defeat these aggressive parasitic vampire squids that want to wage war all the time will be to discard the ideology that generates war. This ideology of aggressiveness and the spirit of conquest this ideology of not engaging in voluntary, peaceful, cooperative means in order to further the materiality and the comforts of life for all involved. And this will happen because the economics are in favor of it. The baker 
for example, and the tailor, when they engage in war, one of them will have to end sooner rather than later. And it'll probably be the baker and not the tailor, because the ta it'll be the tailor and not the baker, my bad, because the tailor needs that fresh bread, that food from the baker, whereas the baker needs uh, clothes but can wait longer than the tailor can wait for the bread. And I have an interesting receipt from Sainsbury. It's a, it's a supermarket in England. And what they've done uh, on their receipt is they've shown uh, what you buy and how many miles it travels. For example, uh, apples, they came from Argentina, which was 6,866 miles. Pears, they came from Spain, 958 miles. Asparagus from Peru, grapes from Chile, strawberries from Spain, broccoli from Spain, potatoes from Israel, tomatoes from Argentina, peas from South Africa, clementines from Bolivia, and on and on. And what we're seeing with our economy, our worldwide economy, is that it's becoming more interdependent and interrelated. There's trillions and trillions of transactions that take place between the citizens of all these different nation-states. And in order to maintain the peacefulness and the uh, civility of our ordinary daily transactions, we're going to have to peacefully coexist with each other, whether we're in Argentina or Chile or South Africa or Peru or wherever. And so if we don't, then we'll be without our tomatoes and then we'll be without our bread and without our oil and without this and without that. And we're seeing this uh, start to happen <clears throat> because the United States, which is the primary, the primary warmonger in the world as the world's policeman, it has to import tremendous amounts of oil. Additionally, rare earth metals are essential for many of the military applications. And China controls 97% of the world's production of rare earth metals. So China, who's beginning to put restrictions on exports of rare earth metals, is starting to clamp down on the ability of the United States to wage war. In other words, China is like <clears throat> the baker, and the United States is like the tailor. The United States needs that bread needs those rare earth metals, needs that food, needs that oil to be imported in order to continue to survive, whereas the rest of the world doesn't necessarily need uh, what the U.S. produces. And so the U.S. will have a much more difficult time continuing to wage war in the next century. And the laws of economics, consequently, are going to be curbing this spirit of conquest and imperialism that the American Empire has. And so during this month of peace, of Christmas, I hope that everybody keeps in mind uh, some of the economics of war and how we can uh, curb that own spirit of conquest within ourselves so that we can treat each other with the respect and the civility that everybody deserves. And this has been the 60th episode of the RunToGold.com podcast. Thanks for listening. This is Aaron Crown of MortgageImplode.com, and you're listening to Run to Gold.